there weren't that many people up here when they practiced before church. <laughs> I'm just going to back up farther. If you would please join me in the reading of the scripture verse from Isaiah 41, chapter, or chapter 41, verse 13. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. This is words God for all God's people. Um, well, actually, yeah, the, the, the title is right in here. It's called God's Promises. And we will get around to the explanation of that and also um, the reason I chose that Bible verse. I had an 11th grade history teacher named Mrs. Howell. And she always said the junior class battle cry had been forever, it's not fair. It's not fair that the senior class gets out ninth period. And it was even worse for my particular class because I had her ninth period and the windows looked out over the parking lot and the street where all the seniors were zooming out. It's not fair that there are so many required courses. It's not fair that midterms are so complicated. It's not fair that we have to write term papers, that we have finals. It's just not fair. Nothing was fair. But how often does it's not fair carry over into our adult lives? It's not fair that I did not get into the college I wanted to go to. It's not fair that I did not get the job I thought I deserved. It's not fair that the person I wanted to marry turned me down. It's not fair that my child developed leukemia. It's not fair that everyone else around me is retiring and I still have to work. It's not fair that I don't live in a big mansion. That list could go on and on and on, and I'm sure each one of us have some of those little things. Most of the time, most of the time I think I have managed to live outside that it's not fair world, but not always. There are always those little things that in the back of your mind you say are not fair. But now, quite often, things that I feel not fair about today are my inadequacies and the things that I feel like I lack control over and things that change that I'm not expecting. Today's Mother's Day, and that is something I feel very inadequately adequate to talk about, both as a mother and as a daughter. So that's not going to happen. Um, normally, on Mother's Day, Stacy is up here. <clears throat> I don't see her any place today. I wish she was up here. I would feel a whole, whole lot better. But after I hear Stacy or Karen or Terry or Sandy give a message, my inadequacies really kick in. Um, how can you know? How can I share after I hear, hear them? I feel so out of my league. I'm not a theologian, I'm not a Bible scholar, and I am not really a public speaker, definitely not a preacher. I can't preach like them. That's not what I do. It's not fair, God. You task me with giving a message, and like Moses, 
I want an Aaron to speak for me. <clears throat> Aaron? There is an Aaron in the audience. I don't see him coming up to do that either. You know? So I'm going to do what I have done before. I'm going to share with you a little bit of my journey. This is part of a very recent part of my journey, and it's been a very painful part of my journey. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this day for mothers, grandmothers, aunts, and mother figures. Help us to love, honor, and forgive them, as the case may be. Lord, please give me your words today and let them speak to those here in front of me. In your son's holy name, amen. I first have a confession to make to this congregation and forgiveness to ask for. Recently, I have not been the best member of LaGrange United Methodist Church, or more recently, the Global Methodist Church. Um, I have not liked, I have complained about um, the leadership, the church, the building, you name it, I found things to complain about. Fortunately, most of that was to myself. Occasionally it was out loud to other people, and I am sorry for that. Um, it had nothing to do with the disaffiliation, because I think before many of you could see that coming, I saw it coming and knew it was going to be the way to go. But there were just, I don't know, I just felt angry and at times ready to explode. Fortunately, I held those explosions normally at home when it was only the dog or the cats to listen to me. But I am sorry if I have hurt anyone, if I have caused anyone undue stress. Please forgive me, and I am sorry. The original working title for today's sermon was, It Is About Me. And then I thought, that sounds really conceited and self-centered, so I scratched it out and just started writing. The title, God's Promise, did not come about until I was almost finished with the message. I have a, I guess I go about, I don't know how other people develop their message. I think I go about it kind of backwards. I normally hear something from God, a word, a phrase, or just something, some thought that I feel, oh, that's what you're supposed to talk about today. So I start writing from there. Then when I'm done, I go back and have to fill in the title the Bible verse, the songs, the call to worship, and that's a lot of times much harder than coming up with the actual message. At the end of writing all of this, though, I realized that how much I had been relying on God's promises. So that's where the title came from. Um, for the last, I don't know, four, five, six months, I have been in a very dark place. And I was kind of wallowing in it, you know, almost enjoying it. And I think it all came about the it's not fair attitude about change. I gave my life to Christ, I don't know, 50 years ago or so. I've been a member of this church for almost 23 years now. I have loved serving. I like the committees, I like VBS, I like the dinners. I mean, I met Roger Kleinick washing dishes in the basement of this building after um, some of our harvest dinners. Um, disciple Bible study, we did Alpha Bible study, and that's where Roger and Lisa Lee came into my life. Um, but, oh, and then I know the other one, the one that was really fun was Jareth and I 
scurrying around like crazy trying to find tablecloths and material for curtains to fancy up the basement so we could have the kickoff dinner for the Family Life Center. We spent a lot of time together in that car going to Macy's and Dillard's and all over the place. Those are things you can't take away, but somehow they seem to have changed and they're gone. I got to the feeling I had become more of a head Christian than a heart Christian. What I was doing for, at church was more of a list-making mentality, oh, VBS, check that off. Babysitting, check that off. Work in the nursery, check that off. Then it was um, serving God with love. I really thought I had given up list-making many years function. I look at everything on that list that has to get done, and I'm so overwhelmed by it that I end up doing nothing. Just shove the list aside, forget about them, and do nothing. And Jim can attest to that. There's a lot of stuff that does not get done in our house that should get done. So because of this, in the last couple of months, I have not wanted to participate in anything. I have not wanted to see anyone. I haven't wanted to leave the house. I just wanted to stay home and be that crazy lady down the road that talks to her dog and her cats, which I did a lot of that. Getting ready for church on Sundays was sometimes just agonizing, not even wanting to get out of bed so I could come. Getting ready today was, for today was really, really hard. I can't count the number of times I almost called Floyd and told him, I can't do it. You've got to find somebody else. What kept me doing it was I was afraid he would end up coming in and doing it himself, and he needs his time off. I started on this message. I don't know how many times. I don't know how many pieces of paper I threw away, but there were a lot of them. And I thought after last Monday, when I did stay home from everything and just sat down and worked on this, came up with the things I needed, I thought I was done. I thought I was all set. I thought, okay, you're good to go for Sunday. Every time I picked up those papers to practice, I changed something. I was even changing things yesterday afternoon and had to, I pretty much redid the whole thing. It has been hard. But since I was spending a lot of time alone, I had plenty of time to be introspective, which sometimes can be a very good thing, sometimes can be very disastrous. I began to see a lot of the feeling of wanting to be alone and isolated came from that it's not fair feeling about change. A lot of change came from losing what I thought of as my place in the church. Through the years, I have served on many committees, the local, the district, the conference level. I have made friendships and connections through those things over 20 years of serving, and now that's all gone. None of those committees exist anymore. And I know that a lot of those people that I had a connection with then aren't gonna feel that same connection now. I am one of those strange people that really likes going to annual conference. In fact, I think one of the candidates we interviewed when asked what he disliked the most about 
being a Methodist, he said, going to annual conference. And I thought, well, that's just what, now granted, it was great when we went to Lakeside. There was a lot of fun. There was a lot of ice cream. There was a lot of just walking around and talking to people. But even last year, after the initial getting used to it on that first day, I liked going to Akron. I enjoyed my time there. Although Terry walked me up and down the hills of downtown Akron like crazy. Mark first asked me to go to annual conference. It's got to be almost 20 years ago. And I've gone ever since. And I like the, the preaching, the music, the testimonies we hear from people, um, the job fair, and that human connectedness. I even like the business meetings. Although at times, that's when Carol and I would get out our little finger puppets and would forget about what was being said up front. But I always came home from annual conference with a sense of renewal and a sense of, gee, it's time to get busy and get doing this. Things have changed. I feel like Floyd and Carol and I are going to be walking into the lion's den when we go to Akron in June. And it's not a good feeling. We're going to be those people who left the United Methodist Church and have taken another path. And there have been more changes. Why do we lose ministers? Why do some people just go away and we never see them again? Why does my health change? Why does worship change? Why do we move where we go? I do not want to hear that these kinds of things happen as you get older. Like the Amen Corner that used to be back there where Barb and Brian and Dave and, and Jerry are sitting, that Amen Corner always used to have the thing. But we've always done it that way. We can't change. I don't want to be like that. And I really don't want to, don't have any intention of growing old for a while. When Chet Harris was here a couple weeks ago for the pastoral interviews, he and I had a chance to talk, just sort of off the call, just standing chit-chatting, waiting to go into the next one. And he said, so many people around the Methodist Church are grieving, grieving the changes, the loss of friendships, the sense of belonging and usefulness. I had never thought of it that way, but that definitely is what it was. It does feel like a sense of grieving. I began to see that building a stockade around myself was not going to help anything, and I finally saw that God was not going to let me off the hook for today or for the rest of my life. So Aaron, you're off the hook. I decided I had better turn to God's word to find a way to move forward, and the messages that Pastor Floyd has given the last three weeks really, really helped with that, you know, why it's important to be in God's word. I was looking through the Bible for some passages that really caught my attention. And one was Psalm 145, part of which was today's call to worship. Three times, three times in one day, that verse came to me. The first one was out of the Daily Bread devotional. That was the, the um, scripture for that day. Then I have a habit to pick up my Bible and just sort of flip through pages and let it, where it opens is where I will read for a while. It opened to Psalm 145. And then when I was working trying to find a call to worship and I was going through the back of the hymnal to look for a call to worship, I found 145. Excuse me. 
Um, so I kind of felt, you know, three times in one day must mean that's a little bit important. You ought to pay attention to it and maybe use it. The other passage was the day scripture verse, the Isaiah 41, 13. I was going through some books, and I happened to find this little teeny card stuck in one of the books as a bookmarker. I don't know. It was, it was just a book. It was nothing special. I don't know when I wrote this, why I wrote it, or why I had put it in that book. But that verse came out to me, and it really spoke to me, especially about God holding your hand. Did everything miraculous get better when I found these verses? No, of course not. It took a while for me to dig the hole that I have been in. It's going to take a while for me to get out of it. And a lot of my devotionals and Bible reading um, the last month or so have been about God's promises. So I've taken time, I've written a bunch down. I'm not going to read the whole passage to you, but I will give you what they were the promise of and the Bible verse in case you want to look them up. First one was God promises to guard your heart and mind. Philippians 4, 6, 7. God promises to give you his peace. John 14, 27. God promises to comfort you in all your troubles. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. God promises to help you and strengthen you, Isaiah 41.10, which is just a few verses before today's verse. God promises to bless, protect, and be gracious to you, number 6, 24-26. God promises to give you rest when you're weary and burdened, Matthew 11.28-30. God promises to hear and answer your prayers. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. God promises to supply all our needs. Philippians 4, 19. God promises do not fail. 1 King 8, 56. And God cannot lie. Titus 1, 2. I've taken these, I've written them down on these index cards, and I pull, I've been pulling them out several times a day and reading through them. Um, I haven't memorized them. I don't think my brain's that good anymore to do that memorization, but I have them here and I can call on them. And there are many, many more of God's promises in the Bible. I urge you to get a dictionary, a concordance, a commentary, and look up God's promises and find ones that speak to you Write them down, use them, call on them when you need them. As I close today, I want to read to you a page from a Max Lucado devotional. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love, 1 John 4, 16. We never outgrow our need for our Father's love. We were wired to receive it. May I tell you just a bit about love? Listen closely. The words I give you are God's. Receive them slowly. Don't filter, resist, downplay, or deflect them. Just receive them. And this is what Max said God's words are. My child, I want you in my new kingdom. I have swept away your offenses like the morning clouds, your sins like the morning mist. 
I have redeemed you. The transaction is sealed. The matter is settled. I, God, have made my choice. I choose you to be part of my forever family. Let these words cement in your heart a deep, satisfying, fear-quenching confidence that God will never let you go. You belong to him. To live as, a, as God's child is to know at this very instant that you are loved by your maker, not because you try to please him and succeed or fail to please him and apologize, but because he wants to be your father, nothing more. All your efforts to win his affection are unnecessary. All your fears of losing his affection are needless. You can no more make him want you than you, convince him, than you can convince him to abandon you. The adoption is irreversible. Accept your place as God's adopted child. God will hold your hand if you let him, maybe even if you don't. Feel your small hand in the hand, the larger hand of your father. Amen. If you please stand for the sending hymn. 